0: It's just industry standard to to kind of often use these algorithmic riddles that don't actually apply to what you do end up doing on the job. Very often on the job, I would have multiple links of Stack Overflow open. I'd like, you know this was back in the day of pre-remote, like not remote jobs, when I would look over my shoulder and ask someone of like, hey, can we talk through this problem that I'm thinking through? I would ask and talk others. I would look things up and try as I was building things. But in in an interview setting, all of that was stripped away and it was like, hey, do you can you master this algorithm and write it on the whiteboard like perfectly? My name is Sargon Carr and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Byteboard.
1: This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. It's six months moonlighting. There's
0: nothing like the bad
1: Who share what it takes to change an industry.
0: I don't exactly know what to do. It took many next.
1: goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. The company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud
0: of her team.
1: Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was at yes, we've been fighting it as we imperial. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve. My Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried to again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really want it's it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host Noah Labhart, and today, how Sargon Carr is leading her team through a major redesign—not coding itself, but the coding interview. This episode is supported by Turso. Turso is the open-source edge database from the creators of libSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Turso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at turso.tech/codestory. Turso. Welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com codestory. Before Sagan Carr got into tech, she was anti-wanting to be in tech. Her dad was an engineer, and she thought the work he did was super boring. She pursued journalism, marine biology, and found herself changing interests a lot as she got bored. Now she came over to the dark side and jokes that she is no longer interesting because she is so immersed in what she does in tech. But outside of tech, she loves to travel, build community, and hosting people. This boils down to loving bringing people together through multiple means. And finally, she jokes that she is a mediocre Instagram poet, enjoying writing semi-deep posts on the platform. When Sargon was applying at Google, she went through their normal engineering interview process, i.e. five whiteboard sessions back-to-back. After getting hired at Google, she struggled with the industry standard for interview questions via algorithmic riddles that didn't mirror the actual job. These types of interviews weren't only not fair, but left many great candidates out in the cold. This is the creation story of Byteboard.
0: Byteboard's a technical interview platform that replaces pre-onsite technical interviews with a project-based alternative. It effectively mirrors what engineers do on the job through a interview work sample that you create. So it helps companies evaluate a lot more efficiently and effectively, and it's completely anonymized. So it helps reduce bias in the process as well. When I was applying to Google, I was graduating from college at that point and studying for my interviews. So like, like I was like a full-time class, like, you know, four unit class I was studying for effectively. In that preparation, I'd studied like cover-to-cover, cracking the coding interview. I'd done all these practice interviews. Ultimately, Google was a long shot for me. I didn't entirely have that confidence that I would get in. I failed my on-site round at Google. There were five on-sites back-to-back. I stood in front of a whiteboard and had to code algorithms. And one of those questions I just forgot to memorize. I forgot to practice the night before, and I completely shot it. And I, to some amount of luck, to some amount of timing, even after getting rejected a couple months later, got the opportunity to interview again at Google and ended up joining Google, doing really well, getting promoted and being on a product team or like a product engineering team on the Google Photos side, which is where I learned an incredible amount of how to build a scrappy product, I would say, and also like keep users and value upfront, which a lot of the practices I brought into building Byboard. At that time, a couple of years in, Having gone through this interview experience and now being a hiring manager at Google and seeing, you know, these incredibly smart, talented individuals getting stuck on these interview questions that we had and that were used pervasively across the industry. It's just industry standard to, to kind of often use these algorithmic riddles that don't actually apply to what you do end up doing on the job. Very often on the job, I would have multiple links of Stack Overflow open and like, you know, This was back in the day of pre remote, like not remote jobs. When I would look over my shoulder and ask someone of like, "Hey, can we talk through this problem that I'm thinking through?" I would ask and talk others. I would look things up and try as I was building things. But in in an interview setting, all of that was stripped away, and it was like, "Hey, do you can you master this algorithm and write it on the whiteboard like perfectly?" And that left a lot of candidates out of the process, particularly candidates who who are walking in and had self-taught themselves or not been a part of this process before or didn't have family members or friends that were part of the industry. So they didn't prepare them for this, but that didn't mean they were any less smart or any less capable of being amazing engineers. And so that's really where the idea of Byteboard cropped up of like clearly something's missing here. Something's broken here. And there must be a better way to interview candidates in a way that feels fair and it measures for the skills that we actually apply on the job. And so the word ByteBoard came from this play on the word whiteboard interviews and how do we get more bites out of an individual in a more effective way. And that then and there was where ByteBoard was built.
1: Let's dive into the MVP. Tell me about that first product you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
0: Yeah, this is my favorite part of the Byboard story and often feels a little surprising. We sold Byboard to our first customer, which was Lyft, without really having coded barely anything. So we were very, very scrappy when we went off to build our MVP to see if it would actually work. We had this idea of like a very clear problem statement interviews don't measure for the skills that engineers practice on the job so to build something that was more effective we talked to a ton of engineers across industries across levels and asked them what what they did day to day on their job you know lo and behold they didn't say that they like wrote code on a whiteboard all day they actually said communication skills trade-off analysis skills systems reasoning skills the ability to read and write through code So we took that study, understood and identified the top skills at that point from all of our research and started to develop on a Google Doc effectively an interview of what that might look like, how we might assess for those skills. And the initial version, like the initial version interview that went out to candidates looked something like this a company would send out an interview and we'd get a notification. We would manually then go into and like send out an email to that candidate with a Google Doc attachment for our part one of our interview exercise and a zip file with the coding piece of the interview. And we tell them to time themselves and send us back their materials when they were completed. And we would like roughly put a calendar timer for ourselves of like, this is when we should expect to receive the interview back. So it was so heavily managed. But at that point, we were starting to see what was working, what parts of the interviews were candidates getting stuck on or parts of the interview where we're getting really good signal. And the first 200 candidates went through a process very similar to that. And it worked. We were starting to see companies really respond to getting a really good signal out of the assessment materials that the candidates were, were sending out. From there, we started to get a lot of feedback of like, hey, it's really hard to set a timer by ourselves or it's really annoying to like for us from a logistical perspective of like manually having to send out these interview invites. So we started to lean on App Scripts, which was our kind of godsend tool at the time. Very, very scrappy. Don't recommend it for scaling purposes. And we may have relied on it for a little too too long as an MVP building tool. It was fantastic we were able to automate so much of our initial product in build the bones of our what our product looks like today and test it out using app scripts using google docs and any of the kind of tools and widgets that we can do to determine what the experience should look like for our customers and that worked out really well
1: let's stick on the mvp a little bit longer you know, with any MVP, you gotta make decisions and trade-offs about how you make that MVP, right? About how you cut scope, how you approach it. Tell me about some of those decisions you had to make in a little more detail. Specifically, how did you cope with those decisions?
0: As an individual, I am a perfectionist, and especially at the initial stages of building Byboard, I was like, we need a website, we need it to look pretty, we need this to all feel unified. When you're strapped for a time and you're building something just to understand it, pushing yourselves to just like get something out the door was a really new exercise for me. Some of the trade-offs we wanted like, hey, we should have like an intent platform. Who should grade the interviews? How should we run the assessment? And the initial thought exercise was, we would build the content of the interview, we would have the rubrics, but the graders or the, the folks that would evaluate would be the engineers at the companies that were purchasing by Ford. And that was our like great hotshot idea at that time, and that's how we were gonna build a platform. And when we initially went out to sell and I started talking to companies, they were like, well, we don't have the time to buy a half-baked product and then like have to have to evaluate it on our end. Like, We want something that just works for us end to end, like I don't want to have to think about it more. It was a response that we often got. I remember this very clearly having like sitting in our one of our initial sales calls and we were about to lose this pilot deal at that point. In the call, I was like, okay, we'll just grade all of them. Like, we'll grade all like 300 candidates that you need to interview for in the next month. We'll do it all. Our head of engineering at that time, who was in the meeting with me, like looked around at me and was like, bevo- like completely bewildered. Like, what did you just accept? What did you just sign up to do? And we walked up to the meeting and like, we had this like big conversation of like, there's no way we can do this. They're just like, how are we gonna evaluate 300 candidates all by ourselves? We ended up doing it and became the de facto model for for what whiteboard is today. Like very much informed our product roadmap, it informed our go to market strategy in many ways of like how we sold the tool. And we realized we got a lot of feedback from customers. As well, and we now can update our our evaluation methods a lot more quickly because everything runs in house. So it was a it was a big decision at that point. It was a fork in the road in some ways. We had like long conversations about it, and ultimately, it was a little bit of gut and a little bit of like what our customers wanted, and just just taking the, the difficult road of being of saying yes to your customer and seeing what works.
1: This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cipherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstashcom codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's trbll dot com slash codestory. So you've got your MVP, it's working. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? How did you go about that maturation process? And to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is, how did you build your roadmap? And how did you go about deciding? How do you go about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Byboard?
0: There's a lot of mistakes that were, you know that we constantly make as, as a first-time founder. It's going through this. But I would say that the way we built our MVP was really, really smart in the sense that customers informed our roadmap. When we initially built out, it was so scrappy. It was held together by App Scripts. It was a Google doc and it was a zip file. And then eventually we started to see that work. We're like, okay, how do we put this on one platform so it's not coming through an email? We built a platform and we logged into the Google Doc into an iframe and put it into the platform. So very, very small iterative changes. Then we found that candidates were like, hey, I don't like timer by myself. We added a timer into the platform and we heard from customers that we needed more descriptive onboarding materials and we plugged that into the platform. So it very, very much came in response to what we were hearing were needs and keeping an eye for where were we adding the most value the interview which was the heart of our product was working we were seeing we were adding value we were saving companies time we were helping them hire faster we were helping them identify strong candidates and win them in a really competitive market at that time through a better interviewing process and a shorter time to hire so all those things were working and now we were optimizing for parts of the experience that felt a little too scrappy or might've been buggy or might've not been able to scale. And now we continue to take a similar approach while still looking a little bit, now having the space to look a little bit more ahead of like expecting what customer needs might be in the market and building ahead towards that.
1: So let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you?
0: I think with team, it's also very much an iterative process. To me, when we were building our initial team, it was really important that, one, we were looking for engineers. And so it was, do they hold true to the mission and like what we're building towards? And if that was true, then we started to look for, you know, especially now, have you worked at an early stage startup before? Like, What are your ways of, have you seen what success looks like, what great looks like? are are questions that I like to look for when building a team. Initially, it was just, can someone hop on for this scrappy mission? I remember making our first hires and being like, you are gonna come work on this project? Like this this idea that I came up with, like I was just like so indebted and so thankful for anyone that would like be interested in working on my board at that point. But it, it proved that clearly this this problem resonated and they they saw potential here and so it was the ability to like can we all roll up our sleeves and work together was really important. We've been on this journey with building Byboard now for five years and every stage you're looking for someone a little bit different for a different set of skills, a different set of background and some people are able to adapt and grow or some people like to be in super early stage so at this point we we start to look for people who've We've done this before. We've grown a company before. And they can step in and be really, really helpful. So building a team has been a learning point for me, for sure. And it's a constant iterative cycle.
1: This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vasell edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. TURSO makes it easy with a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. TURSO lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at TURSO is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to turso.techslash CodeStory and get started today. That's T U R S slash CodeStory. TURSO. Welcome to the Data Edge. Let's switch to scalability. And given your earlier stories, I, I think I have, an, I have an impression of where you might go here. But I'm going to ask it openly. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one? Or have you been fighting this as you grow and gain traction in any capacity? And that, that could be technology. It could also be team.
0: As all our advisors would tell you, we certainly didn't build this to scale efficiently now we definitely like we're at the ends of like ripping app scripts out of our infrastructure still it's it's been with us for a very very long time and we probably should have pulled out of it a little bit earlier in terms of tech debt so I would say there's a little bit of like fighting to like grow out of that and be able to scale more and more in retrospect do I think we shouldn't have used it or we should have built things to scale in the beginning 100% no I think we learned a ton from being able to build really quickly it informed a lot of our roadmap like I mentioned it informed a lot of the our ability to to move quickly and now our approach is a little different because we are thinking a little bit more from a scale perspective
1: so as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built what are you most proud of?
0: Two things come to mind. The first is certainly the impact on candidates. You know, we review candidate quotes every Monday and, you know, over the week we receive hundreds of candidate feedback quotes and it's so, it's just so reaffirming and great to hear from candidates when they say this is the first interview they felt assess them for skills that were actually relevant that made them feel good about interviewing that wasn't a waste of their time or they felt comfortable in actually taking an interview like this compared to any other interviews they've taken it's yes it's an interview but it's also a pathway for them to hopefully land a re- a job that potentially is a dream job or a big job that could meaningfully change their lives is a huge huge impact and when broken interview systems continue to impede or create blocks uh, for individuals from landing that and our ability to to break that down and replace it with something that's a lot more fair and allows candidates to demonstrate their skills and, and achieve their dreams in many ways. That feels incredibly, incredibly amazing that we're, we're able to do that and impact so many people. On a more personal note, I will say I had no idea what it felt like to build a startup or to go through this. And the journey for the last five years, as I look back, has certainly changed a lot in me. I could not believe in myself that I had the ability to build something out of nothing. If I had not just done it in the last five years and seen what it's like to build something, I I think I still would not believe I could do it.
1: Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: A couple of years ago, we heard some murmurs or requests for wanting a data science assessment. You know, I talked to her team. I was like, let's go build it. It looks like let's just go launch it. And there was so much pressure to want to launch this new assessment. It was our first time launching a brand new type of assessment. We didn't go through our normal cycles of researching and kind of building it in a way that would be scalable and sustainable. There's a point as you start to grow where you need to be able to balance the scrappy and the scalable. And I've found it to be very difficult to be, like either sometimes you lean to risk averse and you go more scalable route and that takes longer, or you you go the super scrappy route and you incur a bunch of tech debt and things end up breaking down the line so like how do you really tow the line as you as you grow as a company but you're not too big but you're not too small so when we started to receive feedback that we needed to make some some big changes to it as we were we were launching it in beta we realized because of how quickly we put this together without really taking a look there were some like pretty deep things we would have to change if we were going to if we were going to improve the assessment based on the customer feedback we were receiving and ultimately we had to we had to pull it out and put that assessment on pause and completely rebuild the infrastructure to support it and my lesson learned there was one should have done a lot more research and figured out how to balance the scrappy and the and the scaled version. We're launching it again. Now it's a lot more polished. It's a lot more better. The response to a lot more of that customer feedback we were receiving on it. So I'm really, really excited for it to come out very soon. And it, it's built in a way that allows us to make a lot more improvements and add-ons on top of it too which both our technical team is happy with and I think our product team is as well.
1: So this will be fun to ask, what does the future look like for the product and for your team?
0: When I look at Byboard in the future and the vision we have for Byboard's very much anyone who is building a company, working at a company, you know, kind of the initial things that you go into building a company, you're like, okay, I'm gonna determine if I'm going to build on GCP or AWS, I have to put in my payroll infrastructure, am I gonna use Gusto, or am I gonna use JustWorks or something else? You have this like checklist of items, you just go down the list that you very much, you're gonna buy a laptop, there's a checklist of items that you go down where you need to have to be able to build your company if you are hiring a team and growing a company and and bringing people on by is a tool that you just know you're going to go sign up for and you're going to you're going to need to have because it's going to provide you your interview loops and the ability to to very confidently know like hey this is a role i'm hiring for and i'll be able to go to Byboard and confidently know how to structure all my interviews and what to ask how to evaluate candidates so that I feel really strongly that I'm building the best team with the resources that I have. And I very much see Byteboard as a product becoming the default when it comes to anyone building a company. From a team perspective, I love the team that we have now. The ability to ideate on projects or on, on ideas and, and to build and how we come together. Like People are here like through the thick and thin. I think we keep, continue to grow, grow from here in terms of team and bring on similar culture carriers to, to who we have now that are very, very tied to the mission and seeing seeing the impact of Byteboard grow and seeing, seeing it grow in the long term.
1: Let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why
0: i felt built, thankfully, because I think without it, I wouldn't be able to go through this journey, a really strong community of founder friends, particularly founders who are highly empathetic, are kind and and show me and the world that there's a way to be successful and, and go through this journey without being a jerk, without being cold, even through kind of the thick and thin, speaking with them and having their support has been incredibly helpful. And and those are people that I certainly look up to on how they navigate hard decisions and hard situations. And I learn a lot from them.
1: So we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Doesn't have to be a mistake. Could have worked out, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit.
0: I would take a lot more risks, a lot more faster decision-making. I spoke to earlier about being a perfectionist, and working on BIPORT has definitely dulled that a ton, where I'm a lot more able to just like go and get things started and just push it out and try it out. There's certainly many moments that still come to mind where I wish I would taken more risks or been faster at making decisions to know not because I thought I could have made the right decision but faster decision making turns out to be faster learning as well and that's really what I always hope to be optimizing for
1: okay so you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing they're jazzed about it they can't wait to show it off to the world can't wait to show it to you right there on the plane what advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit
0: I, I often joke that Byteboard will be my one and only startup that I work on. And a lot of my friends who've worked on multiple companies are like, yeah, you say that now, but post Byteboard, whatever that looks like, you'll probably wait a year and be like, okay, I want to do something again because I can do it better. Like I've learned everything I've learned and I'll do it. I'll do it better. The advice I would give someone is to really take care of their mental stamina this, this is so much of a long game. There's like high highs and low lows that probably go through not even in the matter of days, but sometimes in the matter of hours while building this. And I think that's certainly true of any founder I've spoken to. So to keep at it and to know that's always going to be the case and not to be deterred by the no's or the lows because if you believe in your product, the highs are always around the corner.
1: Fantastic advice. Couldn't agree more. Well, Sargon, thank you for being on the show today, and thank you for telling the creation story of Byteboard. Thanks, Noah. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.